Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're bringing you another episode of Kyo Cinema, the podcast in which Adam and I are sitting down and in, enduring or enjoying all of the Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> and Dragon Ball Super movies in release order, including all the live action ones. And we won't have one of those for quite some time, which is probably for the best. Yeah, you know, you say enduring, but it's not like we've had one yet that I've just been like, wow, this is a piece of garbage. Like, even even the Bardock episode was okay. Yeah, I, there have been a couple where multiple rewatches is where the endurance really starts kicking in. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'll give you that. There have been a few that I've watched too many times, but in general, I've really, I've been having a lot of fun with this podcast. Oh, man, it's it's. It's a series of movies. I think you had said in our last episode that you're not going to like watch these over and over again, but you'll revisit them every few years. Yeah. And that that feels about right for most of these. There are a couple that I would happily watch again and multiple times. But for the most part, it is like, you know, this scratches this itch for a few years. And then, you know, a few years from now, I'll be like, I can't remember if I liked, uh, you know, Tree of Might all that much or not, <laughs> apart from having my thoughts recorded uh, for for all eternity in Kyo Cinema. Well, you know, the I was like reorganizing some of my DVDs and stuff like that the other day, and I saw uh, BoJack, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for BoJack. BoJack, I remember liking that one a lot and making an effort to watch it several times uh, in the past. So like, I'm stoked to watch that one a handful of times. See, I don't remember a ton about that one. I remember like two or three very particular scenes, but I don't remember like the setup to it at all. Um, we're t- what two or three movies away from that one, I think. I don't think we're too far away, yeah, because it's part of the little five pack that I've got. Because uh, I've got all the movies in like the uh, Funimation repackaged versions right. or whatever, so it's it's got to be pretty close. Because I think Return of Cooler, which is the movie we are covering tonight, uh, was actually in that pack. Yeah, and you know, I had it was funny. Uh, I jumped back into Doc and Battle. I think I'd mentioned that on the podcast, and um, a couple members of our Discord, I think, are sticking their toes into it or picking yeah. it back up. Uh, like I you, picked it back up myself. Yeah, yeah. I've been playing it. Yeah, I was going to say you did, and then um, who was it that picked it up? T.W. Sang, maybe? I saw T.W. Um, Sang was back in the Discord, and they yeah. picked it up. Um, I think they may have been the... Was it Tomac that picked it up as well? I don't think so. No, I think T.W. Sang was the last one This that... that He was the one that uh, wanted to be my friend in Dawkin. Oh, Very nice. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. it's fun watching these movies now and being back in that game, because I see scenes in these movies where I'm like, I got that card, or yeah. I got that card. Um, so there's several just from this movie that I have, um, including the Cyclopean guards, like they're in oh, Dock and Battle. Oh, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, that's one thing that's really like drawn me back into Dock and Battle was watching these movies because in that game there are like scenarios for each of the movies and offshoots. I mean, there are scenarios for like freaking everything in that game. Uh, but it's really cool to get the cards from the movies. I, like, I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember one of the first SSRs I remember pulling was a a physical Goku, Super Saiyan Goku, that is him throwing the yellow ball at Metacooler at the very end of the movie. And I still cool. have that unit. I think it's yeah. I think it's gotten an, another awakening recently. I'm not sure. I, I don't use the unit. It's not very good, or at least it wasn't. But uh yeah, it's just it's just neat being like, oh man, that's cool. I got that or or I'll even uh, catch myself being like, dang, I didn't know that that's where that scene came from or that's yeah. where that card card art came from. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, what do you say we jump right into The Return of Cooler? Yeah, I think so, man. I, I am ready to talk about this movie. And uh, I know we always start off with the timeline. You want me to go ahead and, and tell you about what I think? Well, we always start off with the release date. Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> Maybe you should go that's back and listen too. to the other that's, 12 episodes of Cinema, bro. Part of the timeline, man. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, The Return of Cooler uh, released in Japan March 7th, 1992, which was almost a full year after the last Dragon Ball Z movie, which was, uh, of course, the first Cooler movie. Um, but it was also just a couple of weeks after Vegeta went Super Saiyan for the first time in the anime itself. So um, pretty close oh. ties there. There you go. Yeah. Well, as far as the timeline goes, supposedly it's supposed to take place like right after Cell announces the Cell games, uh, but I guess before the hyperbolic time chamber because Gohan doesn't appear to be able to turn Super Saiyan in this, um, and Vegeta doesn't get super huge and buff, which, I mean, he did learn his lesson from Cell, so it makes sense that he wouldn't have done that again, but I don't know. I could see him maybe trying it one more time here. Uh, so there, there are some other things, too, that kind of make it feel like it doesn't fit in, like Trunks isn't there. Uh, so in my personal headcanon, it makes sense to me that in this world, you know, we've been trying to craft a universe around all the movies. I like to think that Trunks came to this world and said, hey, there are these androids that are going to show up. You guys have got to kill them. Oh, here, Goku, here's some medicine for your heart disease. The androids show up. It's the ones he's expecting. They just brutally destroy them because they've been training and, and not to the degree that they had to for Cell and everything, but... They wreck the androids, and Trunks goes home, which explains why he's not here, and Gohan never had the hyperbolic time chamber. Cell isn't a thing, just like he wasn't necessarily a thing in the original version, I think, uh, or the original Trunks world. I think that kind of fits here. This, this makes sense that it would be the next big step instead of Cell. Yeah, that's interesting, and I don't, I don't know. Uh, so the next movie that we're going to watch is Super Android 13, so we know that like the androids themselves are mentioned. Um, I don't know if Cell is brought up in any of the Dragon Ball Z movies. I don't I, think Cell is a thing in any of the movies, except for maybe uh, the Fusion Reborn. I think that's the one where they've got... Oh, like, yeah, maybe he's in Hell in there. He might be, but I feel like Frieza and is really the one that comes back and is kind of leading that force. So Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. That's one I have to check myself on. but Because Cell is probably my favorite Dragon Ball Z villain. I really like Cell. And it always blows my mind that he doesn't have some kind of a movie of his own, like a return of Cell or something. Well, I was actually reading some theories flying around today that uh, are well wishing for sure that Cell is actually a part of Dragon Ball Super colon superheroes. Oh, really? Yeah, like that would um, be so cool. Yeah, the the concept is basically like uh, Gamma's one and two end up fusing, and then Cell comes out of nowhere basically, and then sucks them up and gets a new form of his own. What? I don't, I don't know. Now it's just rumor. I, I mean, I don't think that nuts. it's necessarily grounded in anything. But a lot of people feel the same way about Cell that you just expressed, which is like my boy deserves a little bit more of the limelight, but. The flip side of that is um, the the other side of that argument in the threads that I was reading was that like if that's all that it is, then it seems like Dragon Ball Z is in this weird like uh, for the new thing. Let's just bring back an old person, you know? Um, yeah, that would be kind of a boring. Like they brought back Broly, meh. Brought they back Frieza again. They brought back Frieza again. They did introduce Beerus and and the Angels and all that, which was really cool. But that's just right. part of Super. Like the interesting thing about the movies is that they're referenced in the manga, but they aren't actually part of the manga. So it's kind of this weird hybrid now, where like they are canon because Akira Toriyama works on them and is directing or producing them or whatever. Uh, but if you read the manga, they're just referenced. Right. So far, at least. Like, yeah. Broly is kind of, uh, I think he's mentioned in the super manga. The new chapter comes out sometime later this week, too. I think yeah. they come out around the 20th. I'm excited for that one. But, the, yeah, that would be, I don't know. There's. I, I guess I agree. There's some love-hate there with that theory. 
If that happens, that would be pretty nuts and unexpected. Well, I guess now I'm expecting it, but you know. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I guess the the some of the merit of that particular theory was Red Ribbon was behind the creation of Cell as well. Like, yeah. why couldn't they have, you know, whipped up another another version based on uh, Dr. Giroux's notes or whatever, and then have the whole plan be, here's Gamma 1 and Gamma 2, they're the new 17 and 18, kind of, and mm-hmm. if Cell gets a hold of both or they fuse and then he gets a hold of it, the new singular uh, Gamma, whatever, Gamma 3, um, then... That could be uh, in in route for uh, for cell. I don't know that I would like that because then not only would you have another older character back, even if he does get a new form, but then you still also have uh, Gohan coming back, and it would just be a replay of the like Gohan. Oh wow, yeah, it really would thing, be. You know? Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent just kind of rehashing what's already happened. Yeah, at least that's how the trailer would make it seem like i mean that we could be having the wool pulled over our eyes and i would love to be surprised by a dragon ball movie too so yeah i'm like the end of broly was shocking to me you know where i don't want to give anything away until we get get to that coverage point but the way that it resolved i was like heck yeah that's awesome you know and it wasn't what i expected right right well there you go there's some awesome dbz super talk and also (laughs) our timeline for or at least my timeline for uh return of cooler I, I don't think cell is yet attacked in this the androids were destroyed and he has no way to power up makes makes at least as much sense as the timeline that i had seen uh where it was between the cell games announcement and their beginning it's, uh so let's let's get right into the return of cooler it opens up with a sort of eclipse on new namek um or it's it's kind of like a partial eclipse because manic uh namek has uh several sons two at least maybe three yeah um do man, I meant to look this up. Do we have any idea what the Namek, the what the Namekians are farming? Because they don't necessarily have to eat. So what are they growing farm food for? That's a really good question. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I even up. thought about that. Because what's even stranger is it's literally referenced here in four or five minutes that Namekians don't eat because right. the, all the the gang is in a capsule headed to New Namek uh, and and Piccolo's like in another room, not eating with them. And Goku's like, yeah, he doesn't need to eat. Yeah, so but they're farming That's crazy. something. They are farming something, though. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because assuming... if I remember correctly, the Namekians are kind of built into, like, I don't want to say two races, but almost kind of like two roles. Like, they're either healers and kind of, like, I want to say countrymen, like they're farmers and whatnot, or they're, like, warriors and protectors. Yeah, there are classes, for sure, distinctions. that there, At least those two, maybe a, maybe one maybe or two more. more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm also assuming that whatever it is that the... Uh, whatever it is that they're farming that they are consuming, but that might not be a correct assumption. Who knows yeah, what else they might be growing up for. They could just do, they could just be doing the equivalent of planting trees. Maybe that makes some sense of what Goku says to Gohan in the English version, at least where he's just like new Namek is a lot like old Namek, except there are, did he say more trees? Or yeah. Less he's trees? like, there are a whole lot more trees. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were just more successful uh, horticulturists in, uh, on new Namek. Could be. Yeah. Well, as we are seeing new Namek and we're, we're, kind of being reintroduced to the Namekians, this like massive metal cocoon-like looking ship just comes out of nowhere and is like, it's even like big enough to the point that it is blocking one of the suns, uh, as you were describing, and it just crashes right into the planet. And the narrator is like, new Namek's in trouble, so Dende is going to go get Goku, and Popo tells him it's fine. And, and then they literally show you that, where Popo's like, it's okay, Dende, just call him. He's trustworthy, and... 
which seems weird. Didn't they should know this? Goku literally saved his entire planet once already. Why would he? He was so down for a fight and saving people. It's literally like his thing. Yeah, I have in my notes that another giant metallic planet sized ball um, <laughs> yeah. is, is featured in the movie because that's that's how Lord Slug started off, too. That's right. Only this one, when it lands and begins to kind of it, it it hits, but it almost grows tentacles and begins embracing uh, the new Namek. And I thought that that was a pretty cool effect. And there were even some really cool like uh, entering uh, Nam- new Namek's atmosphere kind of burning effects as that metal was descending down to the yeah. ground. I thought that that was a pretty cool touch. And it does some pretty significant damage to New Namek to the point where like, I was like, they got some Dragon Balls still, right? Because th- that planet done got jacked up by whatever this <laughs> ship is. I don't care that it leaves the planet. It is it is messed up when it lands. Dude, it really is because it's like roots that are growing into this planet and like sucking out nutrients and energy from the planet. It's pretty crazy. Uh, but that's a good point. We actually don't see any Dragon Balls in this movie. It is one of the uh, only movies, I guess, where we haven't seen them recently. Yep, and uh, it's safe to assume that even if the the new Namekians haven't, you know, forged theirs or whatever the terminology might be, that they could still go back to Earth and use theirs and be like, hey, do you mind patching new Namek back up? Uh, <laughs> and that would be fine. Listen, the, the Dragon Balls are the biggest deus ex machina in all of history, where it's just like, eh, who cares what happens? It can be undone if it isn't just magically undone like it's been in a couple of these movies like uh, like Tree of Might. It wasn't always that way, though. You remember originally Shenron had a power cap. It was like he could only perform miracles that were as powerful as the person that made the Dragon Ball. So at the right. time, Kami. But then once Dende brings him back, he can do like two wishes and he can bring people back infinitely. It's not limited to two times. And like it's. I feel like they, they definitely hand wave a lot of stuff with the Dragon Balls at some point in time. But it was almost a necessary evolution, right? Because oh, absolutely. If, 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 if everybody can still only be brought back once, then once somebody is brought back, then you're kind of in this narrative impasse where it's just like, well, now they can't die ever. Or they're just off of the table entirely. Or you just kill them and you make new cool characters. Well, that's that's a route that probably should have happened when Goku died against Cell and Gohan should have been the main character forever. But... I think a lot of people argue that, actually. That's a huge argument in general. <laughs> well, the, the, this is a discussion for another time, but the show seemed to be moving in that direction. And then they were like, psych, Goku's back. Yeah, it was <laughs> really was like, strange. Dude, yeah. come on. Anyways, um, back into Richard yeah, Cooler. Let's get back to that. <laughs> so, of course, the gang says yes. They're going to go to New Namek, and they're all in a capsule corp ship. They're basically uh, headed straight there. I mean, I you can't really tell how long it's taking them. I think the original show to get to Namek, it was three months, but they put New Namek in a totally different place. So who knows how long it's taking. But it's Goku, Krillin, Roshi, Oolong is there, uh, Gohan is there, and so is Piccolo. I think that's everybody yeah yeah it's uh you mentioned yajirobe too right oh yeah yajirobe's there how could okay. you forget yajirobe oh i mean it's super easy watch um, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i i almost want i mean if you order these of like in importance and in sense this crew like begins to taper off really fast oh, should yeah. goku be going absolutely he's strongest dude should piccolo be going yeah dude he's a namekian this is his peeps Everybody after that is just like, I mean, should like Roshi be going? Should well, Gohan be going? Oolong I, and Yajirobe? Seriously? Yajirobe in this movie is nothing but a sensu bean, uh, like, uh, shoot, what's a vending machine. That's all he is. That's all he is, yeah. Yeah, he's he, he really is. Well, and, and like, 
Gohan, I can see making sense. Goku's training him, and like he has proven himself to be a good warrior, especially if he's helped defeat the androids and he helped defeat Frieza. Like he did a lot against the Ginyu Force. It makes sense that Gohan's there. Piccolo should have just fused with Kami, so that totally makes sense too. I agree. Roshi, I can kind of see because Roshi at least trained some of these guys, and to some extent, trainers don't always have to be as athletically fit or as powerful as they once were. They just need the knowledge of training, right? So that one I, I kind of get. The rest of them, though, I totally agree. Krillin has no need to be here other than he's Goku's buddy. I've been arguing for movies now that Oolong has <laughs> no need to be around. In fact, in this movie, they show up and he's immediately like, hey, can we go back home? So, I mean, he's, right. yeah, and he does serve the purpose that you gave, which was he is the comedic relief at times. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Like this party makes no sense, uh, but they're all sitting around. They're eating rice or onigiri. And this is where Goku, you know, is like, ah, Piccolo doesn't eat. He's just in there. It's fine. And Yajirobe is just like, man, if, if I'd known this was a family vacation, I would have just stayed home, which I can totally see why he'd say that. Yeah. And my other question about this whole scene is, why doesn't Goku just instant transmission all of them to New Namek? And the only answer that I could come up with was that maybe the the Namekians on the planet, their power levels just aren't quite high enough, even if they really like charged up for him yeah. to be able to sense at a distance. I think that makes sense. And he, they, I don't know that he knows where New Namek is. He doesn't have to. He just has to sense that, well, that but uh, power. Doesn't, doesn't he kind of have to know where to look for that power, though? Like, isn't that a thing where they kind of have to have an idea of where someone may be to sense their power? He he might not have to. Dende does. Dende yeah. knows. I mean, he's got that That's connection true. that yeah. made him aware of the planet. That, yeah, he could have just touched Dende and, like, used the mind-thought transfer stuff that Dende does, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Or Goku does. He's done <laughs> yeah, well, that before. Goku is psychic <laughs> in this universe. That's true. Yeah, didn't he, like, uh, was it on Namek that he just placed his head on, or his hand on Krillin's head and, like, learned of all the things that happened while he wasn't there? Oh, he's yeah. He's done that he at times that. before, too. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that he did that. Yeah. Because he's done it a bunch of the movies, and we've criticized it pretty heavily. Yeah, just like, him I think being it, te tele uh, telekinetic, right? Or telepathic. telepathic. Yeah, telekinetic. He doesn't move things with his mind. Well, I guess Key Blast may be considered telekinetic. Yeah, I think telepathic yeah. is the right term. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't considered that. Well, regardless, they uh, approach this planet, and they're looking out the window, because, of course, his spaceship has windows. And he is seeing this massive metal object just consuming Nunamic. And I mean, it's exactly what it looks like. And they're in awe of this thing because of how big it is. I, I, I can imagine this would look pretty terrifying, really. Yeah, it's interesting because the first view of Namek that we get, presumably through a window, it shows no world swallowing spaceship. And then suddenly it's there, like it was hiding on the other side of the planet it or something. It rotates really fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a discussion about it, how it looks like the little planet is trying to eat the big one. And they're trying to dis there's an asinine discussion about which one new Namek is. Um, in the Japanese, it's funny because, uh, Roshi says something like, it looks like the two planets are kissing. <laughs> and, um, I think it's Yajirobe or Krillin or Oolong that asks, do planets do that? <laughs> like the Japanese is just weird in wow. that spot. Wow. But there's this really cool visual too. I don't know why I like this so much, but Goku lowers his chin and because of the spacesuit that he's wearing, you can't see his mouth anymore. It kind of dips below what a helmet would click into. And he says, let's go. And when he lowers his head, the way that his face looks without that mouth and the intensity that you get just from his eyes, I was like, 
that is a cool visual. I don't know why I loved it as much as I do, but I really, really like him when he lowers that chin in that suit. Looks just looks dope. I like seeing them in the spacesuits in general. I don't know why. I just think it's a cool look for them. Yeah, everybody had one except for Piccolo. I mean, I guess like Namekians don't need them. I guess. I get, yeah, that I guess. Did the Namek? Did do uh, Namekians do fine in space? I'm well, not sure. Does he rely on oxygen, or is it photosynthesis of some kind? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. (laughs) It seems like he breathes. Uh, Maybe it's not oxygen he relies on. On the planet, a whole bunch of the Namekians are actually being rounded up by these uh, like metallic-looking robots, these mechs that they they remind me of uh, Robotech or Battletech. I think it's it's probably Robotech, Uh, but they they're they're really cool looking actually. Uh, But they are definitely doing some shady stuff on this planet. Like they, it's it's very disturbing to some extent and. One of the Namekians actually is able to, like, break free and attempts to attack the robot, but it just totally stops him and then, like, just about kills him before our heroes just randomly show up. I I love to think that at this point, Goku does just use instant teleportation because Gohan's just deflecting this blast and, like, the whole gang is there. Yeah, it's either that or they're kind of hovering over the scene and Goku's like, wait for it. Wait for it. (laughs) I can see that. Like Gohan's just like, I'll take care of this. And he beam, you know, beams down in the last second. Uh, it was dramatically appropriate entrance, you know, Goku's like dramatic. the timing was there. He's very dramatic. I mean, he's been dramatic since the get go. He was like super late to uh, when the Saiyans were arriving. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he's fashionably late all the time or dramatically appropriately late all yeah. the time. Yeah. So Gohan intervenes. He, fl- he flips in uh, and smashes this beam out of the way and then jumps out of the way with the, uh, Namekian in his arms back behind his dad. And Goku does his usual get off this planet spiel, um, we, which we've heard like all of the time, except the interesting thing is he's telling people to get off of a planet that isn't earth. Um, right. <laughs> he, this is the first movie that takes place anywhere, but on earth. And now he's standing on new Namek, like y'all need to, y'all need to scoot. Um, and Piccolo says something awesome, like the Namekian people aren't yours to subjugate or something like that. It was a really powerful line because it's his people, right? It's his his uh, race that is uh, being, they're being hauled off. They aren't being brutalized because uh, as we'll learn a little bit later, the plan isn't to um, treat this planet as uh, Frieza Force might where they uh, come in and exterminate. Uh, they're being rounded up to serve as a power source for uh, the star slash spaceship thing that's eating the planet. Which is kind of one of my first issues with this movie, because in my mind, Cooler should be aware of the Dragon Balls, I would think. Like, his brother was aware of them, so the Frieza, like, I don't know, that whole family feels like they should be aware of the Dragon Balls, right? Maybe Frieza kept it a secret, but if Cooler is aware of them, he could just get the Namekians to wish for his star to have unlimited power. You know what I mean? Like, there's no need to use the Namekians to power his ship. I have the perfect means by which cooler can have unlimited power in my notes towards the end. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to bite my tongue for now, but I mean, Dragon Ball's sure, but my way I think is cooler pun intended, I guess. (laughs) And, and more character appropriate than just rounding up Dragon Ball's. Okay. Awesome. Well, I, I am looking forward to hearing that. Well, in this scenario, even Oolong is actually telling off all of these, uh, you know, mecha robots. Goku, again, warns them, like, hey, you've got one last chance. Get off the planet. Just go. I'm giving you your opportunity, like he always does. Oolong continues to goad them, though. And this is one of the comedic reliefs, because he's actually talking to a mountain. And Yajirobe is just like, who are you talking to? What are you doing? Like, at least turn around. And uh, at this point, we hear Cooler in the background. He shows up, and... uh, 
you know, I, I had this note where I'm like, what was it with the 90s and like metal versions of things? I feel like that's a huge deal in the 90s. Everything got turned into metal versions. And I don't know why. It just seems kind of a weird thing that they did back then. Yeah, I mean, we saw this with Frieza already um, by this point, and it's it's different. It's different enough. Um, like if you look at uh, like Mecha Frieza, then he looks like a stitched together. He's like an android, uh, like a Frankenstein. Frieza. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I even I laughed for years because I swear to God, the thing that he has on the top of his head is like like a cod piece for a Saiyan armor, like the <laughs> yeah, yeah. the thing that looks like a big old package sticking off the side of his head he's kind of a borg now that i'm thinking about it like original frieza mixed with a whole bunch of like android parts yeah. he's very borgy uh-huh. yeah yeah and so we and it's even like when you and this is getting ahead of the the story a little bit but there's a piece of cooler that has been preserved that is still primarily organic and it's his right eye and i'm pretty sure that that was the one piece that you see from Frieza that gets rounded up at the beginning of Resurrection F um, is like one of his eyes. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, and yeah, I just have in my notes, he looks like a more line-heavy silver surfer. Yeah, And does. the lining work on him is not good. Like, no. the, I thought that the color choices were great, um, but they just add in these weird... He, he just constantly looks like a sketch to me. Like, they forgot to... Um, erase certain sketch lines in every single scene. And the other thing that frustrated me about him was that we learned that he could have built his body to look like anything, um, really anything, but certainly any form of himself. And he goes with like the fourth form, which is like Frieza's final form instead of his badass brand new fifth form that looks super dope. Like he just goes with the sleek model instead of the much cooler bulky model and like if i was cooler and could make myself look like anything and be metal it would be the metal version of cooler (laughs) like the one that where he's all pointy and has the cool face guard for whatever reason yeah i totally agree i had the same thought like why does he not have his final form and the only thing i could think of is maybe when he created the first version of himself like he decided to not go with that final form because it's too taxing as far as power goes, but he didn't seem to have that problem in the the last movie. So I, I don't feel like there's a good justification for that one at all. No, and he even if he had it in the last movie and it just went unspoken for whatever reason, he doesn't have that going for him in this right. one because of the way that he describes his design and replication process. Yeah, so I agree. He, he just went with a lamer form, really. Yeah. I guess. He's just boring. Like I think that the maybe and now I'm thinking about it because I'm going to complain about the art a little bit in this movie too at different times. Um, I think maybe what the artists decided was you know if we do this final form we're going to end up having to draw this thing like a thousand times several several scenes where there's a ton of coolers on screen at the same time. Could you imagine trying to keep up with all those horns and shoulder pads? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. It, because I would imagine that circular kind of sleek design is much easier to reproduce. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just humanoid looking with a tail that you slap in the background somewhere. And you yeah. just color the whole damn thing silver or gray and you're done. Whereas if they had the the gray version of Cooler's final form, there would be a lot more shaping to be mindful of. So I'm I'm assuming after giving it more than 10 seconds thought that that's probably why they went with his much lamer, not nearly as cool form. If this was made today, they would have used the fifth form because it would have been easy to reproduce, I bet. Yeah, copy and paste, man. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, talking about the the form and the star, he actually goes in to explain how he was kind of returned back to life. And it's really funny because the name of this star is called the Big Getty Star. But when I first watched this movie, I thought it was the Ben Getty Star. Like all one word, B-E-N-G-E-T-T-I, Ben Getty Star. And so that's what <laughs> I've got in my notes. Uh, but the he, he explains that this... Sh- star was like this chip out in the middle of nowhere and it collected him and it had been collecting things and it came to life it's kind of weird uh but the star is what is attacking the planet and cooler threatens to actually like kill piccolo he's like i ought to take you out but i've got other things to do so i'm gonna have my cronies do it for me and so the the mechs start attacking piccolo and everybody else uh while i guess cooler decides he's gonna take on goku Right, that's the debt that he says he has to collect. And yeah. We get a full, like, minute and a half of Cooler's Revenge in, just in the middle of, or the Revenge of Cooler right. in the middle of, of this movie. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Cooler's just like, I would bother to explain all this Getty Star stuff, but you won't live long enough to care, Namek filth. And again, <laughs> it's one of those times where, like, like they use Namek and Namekian interchangeably almost. Um, yeah, they do. And it's strange. It throws me off because I never even know because I hear it different ways all the time. I never even know. I get tongue twisted thinking about it as well. But yeah, he says, you survived me once, but my Cyclopean guards will soon correct that. He's got some really good dialogue again in this movie. Um, Cooler does. I remember talking about that a lot in the uh, original movie as well. It's just his dialogue is good. Not as good in this movie as it was in the first, but still pretty solid. Yeah, it's okay. I thought it was a little cheesy compared to the first. I, I like the first movie. He just feels so powerful and in this one he he shows that he's powerful but i don't think he sounds powerful the actor like was very monotone for me the whole time i thought so i don't know that's just my opinion though yep so uh goku is the debt that he wishes to collect on and there's another little comedic break here where ulan is complaining about the whole situation and yadrobi says well why can't you be more like roshi you don't see him whining to leave and then it cuts to roshi who is just standing in front of a wall of these Cyclopean guards, and he yeah. just turns around and says, well, actually, you wouldn't happen to remember where we parked, would you? And then they do the anime, like, running and falling down in place thing. It's I thought this good. was great. This was awesome. Uh, and then the mechs start attacking. They are all over the place. Like, Gohan is able to evade one, uh, but only barely after Krillin is taken out, and, like, Piccolo is immediately attacked by several uh we transition back over to Goku and Cooler who are powering up and like ro- rocks are floating all around them, which is a really cool yes. s- scene. Like I actually really dig that. I, there's something about when characters power up in Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z and the, the rocks are beginning to float or like the opposite, like the villain will make the rocks float, but then Goku will bring them back down. I'm like, how do you control gravity with your key? This is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I love the rocks flying up while we power up thing. And, and they aren't even actually like they're not flexing. You don't see any aura. It's just a visual of like the power levels are already on the rise. Like this is this is building right now. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Even Oolong is like, this is way too intense for me, guys. Yeah. And Krillin again, is treated, uh, he he gets a little better treatment in this movie. Like, in this movie, he actually accomplishes things. Like, in most of the other ones, he's there as comedic relief where somebody much stronger than him just ends up smacking him around. And so, immediately as this fight gets engaged, he gets smacked into a cliff. And then he, the same thing kind of happens a little bit later on mm-hmm. for a comedic beat as well. But he does do some significant damage to a bunch of these Cyclopean guards eventually. Well, and, and as they were approaching Yajirobe and Oolong, uh, we actually see 
Roshi turn around and like punch one right in the middle, kind of like in the thorax area is what I'm going to say, because they look kind of uh, buggy to me. Uh, and it's funny because initially you think that maybe he was actually able to do something, but as he turns around, he's just w- like shaking his hand, waving off the pain. And then the the techs or the, the mechs capture all three of them. And there's a great comedic scene here where Yadrobi's like, master of what? Because it sure ain't in martial arts. Yeah, I liked a lot about this scene, actually. So they they use a similar kind of tactic a little bit later on with uh, with Krillin, I think, where the way that they present Roshi punching this guard, number one, he looked like he was Mr. Mime, like with a little fake wall in front of him (laughs) with his hands. So that was strange. Um, But when he does land this punch, there's a pause. And you as a viewer are waiting for the bot to just blow up or fall apart, but it doesn't happen. And and so instead he turns around and he's like flicking his hand because it hurt real bad. Um, There's another scene similar to that with Krillin that we'll get to in a second, but it is, it is pretty good. Uh, Oh, it's right here. So Piccolo... Um, there, these, these guys get hauled off. Piccolo is having about the same luck. He's punching and kicking, uh, to no avail. So he strips off his cloak and turban and says that warmups are over. And then you cut to Krillin who like flies through three or four of them and he's landing all these blows, punches and kicks and all this stuff. And then the way that they sh- present this shot again, is like Krillin is in the foreground and they're in the background and nobody is moving. And you're waiting for that dramatic, like they all four blow up or whatever. And instead that doesn't happen. It looks, they make it look like his assault will make them blow up dramatically, but instead he just hurts everything that he hit them with. So he's grabbing his hands and his legs and all this kind of stuff. It was pretty great. And like the first time I watched it, I really liked it because it was funny. But then the second time I watched it, my first thought was these guys are taking it really easy on the good guys. I mean, it makes no sense that they would just let themselves get hit like that and then just stand there knowing that they aren't going to blow up. Like, it's only there to give us some dramatic effect. You know what I mean? Right. It's, yep. It frustrated me a little bit just because, like, there's a moment later on where Krillin is fighting these guys and he's able to take out one and then he hits another one and, and it just bonks him on the head a little bit. Like, no, that mech would have literally taken his head off. I mean, I, I guess yeah. maybe not because they're supposed to be taking them to the star to get their energy, but... I feel like in this instance, he would have just taken his head off. Yeah, um, he may have. But you're right. So like Gohan is also feeling the pain. He's trying to take on these these group of mechs, but they're having a really hard time. They they totally just wreck Gohan entirely. Uh, Krillin gets owned and he's actually thrown right into Gohan, taking him out, which is pretty crazy. They get back up and then Piccolo comes down. And is like, hey, you concentrate all your energy into one single attack. That might pierce the armor. That's the only thing I can think of. And then, so all of these Cyclopean guards come down from the sky and surround the three of them. It's a pretty epic little scene. Yeah, they're able to punch right through him. Piccolo gets his hand through the first one and then beams him from the inside, which is pretty cool. It it's, was dope. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's it's the same thing as you'd seen in like the Avengers where they were shooting at the uh, the the uh, big whale floaty worm thingy, you know? Oh, yeah. And they yeah. were like, oh, we can't pierce its hide, but if you blow him up from the inside, that'll work. Piccolo had the exact same idea. Um, so he punches in, blows that one up, and then this is where Krillin... <laughs> Krillin says, if, well, if they can do it, because he sees Gohan do the same thing, rips out some components from this thing's face and it blows up. So Krillin says, if they can do it, and he rushes in, and it's all dramatic, and he just gets straight elbowed in the face, and he he himself says, I didn't think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this uh, is where he, he gets bunked on the head. Well, yeah, he gets he gets the Cyclopean guard that he attacked on the second try. And there's this hilarious roll on the ground where he just is. It made me laugh. Just the sounds that he made while he was rolling through the, uh, on the ground. Yes. Um, 
And then all the, yeah, and then one bonks him on the head. But now all of a sudden, all of the Cyclopean guards that were impenetrable are suddenly turned into one-hit KO minions, a Dragon Ball Z movie staple. It seems funny to me that they didn't already kind of concentrate their key into their punches. I just assumed that's what they were always doing, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Piccolo runs a full assault on all of these guards, and he takes out each one of them. Like you said, they're pretty much just one-hit kills. At one point in time, he uses the demon arms, which is so cool, because I remember in the show that not being a really relevant move after, like, the first season, maybe. But in the movies, I think they've done it every movie, almost. He's always doing it, and it's always great. So So in this. In this one, it's even kind of funny because a few of the guards shoot these long grappling arms out at Piccolo, and it's almost like Piccolo says, I can do that too. And then he just demon arms them. So he sends his noodle arms like through several of them, and it's pretty awesome. And then Gohan emulates his dad by shooting through one's torso, like head first, does the patented like Son Goku head through the torso move. Kind of only, though, because like it shows him sort of powering up and jumping, and then it just shows him blowing up a whole bunch, like a bunch just blowing up around him as if he is constantly headbutting them all. But I don't think it actually showed him headbutting anyone in particular, did it? Yeah, it did. So I had to rewatch that scene a couple times because it does look like Gohan leaps up in the air and a bunch of these dudes just explode. Yeah. And I couldn't tell it. He still rams his head through one like up in the air, but I couldn't tell if Gohan had already damaged the ones below or if they were the ones that Gohan gotcha. had, or that uh, Piccolo had just demon armed to death. Gotcha. It was hard to tell. But Gohan does, in fact, ram through the chest of a uh, Cyclopean guard. Krillin is doing his best to kind of avoid this like barrage of arms from a bunch of the guards. And as he is like running from a bunch of them, he's tripping all over himself. It's it's pretty funny because he's making a bunch of, of great noises here, too. And one of them finally is like able to kind of grab onto him whenever he is attacking them. And then all of the other mechs start smashing into that one. So he kind of gets captured. And then Gohan is, is captured as well. And Piccolo is like, hold on, I'll be there. I'm going to get to you. Give me a second. Because, you know, Piccolo's always got to watch out for his little boy. Uh, But he is also grabbed by a mech arm. And this arm, like, turns into a bit of a minigun and just starts firing off rounds in his face. And then Gohan and uh, Pick, or not Piccolo, but Gohan and Krillin are actually dragged away. And the the scene with Gohan is pretty crazy because they've got him by, like, his arms and his legs. And they're just straight off flying away with him. Yeah, he's about to be quartered, is what yeah, it looks like. Yeah, um, and then, But yeah, it, it is pretty cool, because pick, that, that arm that you were talking about that grabs Piccolo, like, it's a it's a grappling hook with, like, the three Cyclopean guard fingers that latches onto Piccolo's arm, and then the forearm equivalent of the robot shoots its way up that cable, uh, and then turns into a gun at the very end. I thought that was such a cool piece of technology. That was one of my favorite, like, visual displays in this entire movie that was just really neat to see. It felt like they put a lot of time into this fight. Like, the fights with the three kind of side heroes, Piccolo, Krillin, and Gohan, with these guards, this felt like the most heavily produced part of the entire movie, in my opinion. Uh, there was a, yeah, it didn't suffer from some of the same animation garbage that we see later on, th- for sure. Exactly. Well, and, and not only that, but like it was a good fight. Like it felt well-rounded. It felt like they, they had a thing that they had to overcome, and then they, they fought this guy, and the fighting looked good. Like it made sense. Uh, but regardless, all of these guards actually end up setting up like heavy artillery. Like they, it looks like they turned their hands into like anti-air guns or something or rocket launchers, and they're just straight up blasting Piccolo up in the air. Uh, and it is clouding up the entire area. It's a pretty cool visual effect. 
And then we kind of pan away some distance off in, into the, the side area where Goku and Cooler are facing off. And Goku actually uses Kaioken, but he doesn't say it again for some reason. And uh, even with Kaioken, he's like struggling against Cooler. It's even like Cooler is like, huh, I bet you're wondering how you beat me last time, right? You know, like something's definitely different here. Yeah, and he ends up smacking Goku just straight down into the planet's surface and immediately creates a supernova and fires it down at Goku. Goku is able to instant transmission out of the way, but the supernova still hits the planet, and the supernovas typically, I'm pretty sure, are like Like planet-destroying Planet busters, yeah. But in this one, it just kind of goes away like it never happened. Right. Um, And maybe, I don't know, maybe Cooler deactivated it because he did realize that Goku had moved out of the way. And what's funny is, like, Goku... He uses instant transmission to avoid it, and then he brags about the technique to Cooler, and then Cooler, again, in what, just like a really cool line, he's just like, yeah, that's one of my favorite techniques too. And the way that he says it just catches Goku way off guard. And so they get into this really sweet uh, instant transmission battle, and there's even like a cool visual showing kind of when they're both in that sort of liminal space as they yeah. move. So the space between where they started and where they end, they can see one another, and it's like... It reminded me of like the tunnel from Willy Wonka or like a kaleidoscope. Yeah. There's all these crazy colors and things seem to be moving in slow motion. I thought that that was a really cool visual. And we've never seen that anywhere but this movie, I think. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I don't remember seeing this in the main series. I called it instant transmission land. It's yeah. it's really cool. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're doing this for a while until Cooler finally grabs onto Goku's leg and throws him. Uh, and Goku like is about to totally get a knee to the face, but he's able to stop it and then just transforms into a Super Saiyan. Like, no power up, no bluffing. He just goes right into it. And I was like, all right, well, I guess it's about time. Like, Kaioken didn't work. He, he really should have started off with Super Saiyan. Like, sure, it's probably been some time since you faced this guy, Goku, but you're not that strong. And you can tell he's, he's really strong. Like, I get that's your thing, but... In this sense, it it makes sense that you transform into a Super Saiyan to start off with. Like, you had to get there to beat him last time, you know? Right, exactly. But Goku does the Goku thing where he's constantly escalating his his own power. He very rarely goes 100% right out of the gate. No, you're right. That's like his motif. Uh, but we transfer back over to Piccolo, who is warding off all of this this machine gun and rocket launching fire. It's pretty cool, because he, like, takes it all and is just like, oh, is that all you got? And then, like, powers up or uses some sort of key explosion or something. I don't know. He does yeah. something that just wrecks everything around him. Yeah, I, I wrote in my notes that he just shouts an explosion into existence that takes out all the remaining guards. Yeah. And I also wrote down that, like, of course, he could always do this, but I wonder if he couldn't do it when Krillin and Gohan were in the vicinity, but now that they're not there, it's safe for him to just blow all these guys up all at once. I like know? that better than any of the other things I've thought of, because it makes me like, <laughs> I, at one point in time, I was thinking like, okay, well, maybe in hitting them, he was able to figure out what frequency they're resonating at. So when he screams, he's matching that frequency and they're all exploding. Oh. <laughs> no, I think that it was just like, <laughs> I could end this in one blow because these guys aren't really all that tough, but... I might also hurt Krillin and Gohan, so I'll have to not do that and figure something else out. What was really funny, so in this scene, when he takes out everything, when he's done, he's like, all right, I guess I better go to this star now. I'm going to pay it a visit. And initially, I didn't realize that Krillin and Gohan had been, like, taken off. So I was like, oh, well, rest in peace, Gohan and gang. Like, I guess he's just going to leave them down there. Like, what? Did he just kill them? So I didn't didn't put those two things together until the second time I watched it. Uh, That had me cracking up, though. I was like, oh, what happened to these guys? 
Uh, we get back to Cooler and Goku, and Goku's like, let's end this. And he just majorly telegraphs this move. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a bad thing to do in fighting to just be like, I'm going to punch you and, like, give somebody a, so much time to react to you. But he majorly telegraph, uh, telegraphs this giant flying punch. Um, in Japanese, he says, it's not my fault if this destroys you, which I was like, the hell it isn't. Like, of course it will be your fault if it blows him up. Like, you're doing this intentionally. But anyway, it's super effective. It removes Cooler's left arm and part of his torso, but it immediately heals. It kind of reminded me of, uh, like, when the dog in the thing first, like, started being an alien thing and it started shooting tubes out everywhere. I've never um, seen that movie. You've never seen John Carpenter's The Thing? No, I've not. Podcast and friendship over. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I gotta How? check that out. How have I let this happen? I don't know. I put you onto Chucky before the thing. You did. Now I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's just one of those assumed movies. Good lord. We need a man. we need a horror movie podcast. Oh man, I would I would love that too much. <laughs> um so anyway, Cooler starts to explain that his body is monitored by the star's main computer, and any injury that he incurs is just immediately diagnosed and repaired, and whatever flaws that allowed for the injury to uh, to occur are then corrected. And so he just says, in simple terms, you can't win. And so Goku, just Goku's, because he's just like, I'll just have to try harder, I guess. And he goes to beam cooler. It, it looks kind of like a Kamehameha, but he never says it, and it's yellow. So I don't think it was. Does he use a Kamehameha I, at all in this movie? So apparently there's like a subbed version where they change some of the ending bits, and he does. Uh, they even like oh. recolor it. Uh, but I, as far as I can tell, none of his key blasts in this were blue. So I don't gotcha. think that he actually does a real Kamehameha. Well, Cooler tanks this blast from Goku um, and he finger blasts like Frieza towards Goku. You remember when he was like second form and oh, was yeah. just using the two fingers? Yep. Um, so then uh, Goku gets in another direct punch before Cooler just snags him by the throat. And again, such an aggressive move to have somebody arrested by their head or throat. Um, and so he's just like, goodbye, Super Saiyan. And as he's going to deal this death blow, Vegeta comes out of nowhere. Like, yeah. out of freaking nowhere. And, <laughs> and like, kicks totally, Cooler off of the screen. Totally saves Goku's life because this scene right before it is so cool because you see this like bulge of something, like muscles or something come through his arm, through, through Cooler's arm to like start choking yeah. Goku even harder, which he's not even grabbing him by the throat. He's grabbing him, by, him like, by like the, the windpipe. Yeah. yeah. It is brutal looking. I mean, that's like. You can kill someone really easily. I would imagine even a Saiyan. Yeah, yeah. But Vegeta intervenes. This is his first movie appearance. It certainly won't be his last. And he just says, you'll spill no Saiyan blood today. And he goes Super Saiyan, which would have been super hype, even at this time. Because like I said, this movie came out just a couple of weeks after he goes uh, Super Saiyan for the first time. Right. Um, and Cooler's like, another Super Saiyan? Um, and... What, uh, or he says a second Super right. Saiyan because Vegeta takes umbrage with that. He's like, in order maybe, but but by no means in stature. It's like <laughs> Kakarot's fate is not uh, is no longer your concern. Uh, it's so good. And in the Japanese, I think Vegeta says something. I can't remember if it's here or maybe a little bit later on, but he, like, there's no explanation for what he's doing on Namek. The closest that we get is in the Japanese. Vegeta says, I'm not here to save you, Kakarot. And I was like, well, then why are you here? And it's never, there's, we get no answer to that. Yeah, because he wasn't around for Cooler the last time. Nope. Yeah. And, and it, I love what Cooler. What did he have to go to Namek for? That's a, because Cooler's there. Like, <laughs> I, I am imagining what had to have happened was he was sitting around at home with Balma. 
right? And he's like, hey, where's that? Where's Kakarot? And and she's like, oh, I don't know, off on New Namek saving the planet because some guy named Cooler is back. And he's like, Cooler? What? Frieza's brother? You know, like, surely, oh, right? He, he yeah. would have to know who Cooler is. I mean... Man, he would have had to have left, like, pretty close to when Goku and them left then. I like to think that the Saiyan ships are, like, way faster than whatever Dr. Briefs has come up with. That makes way yeah. more sense that it would be way faster, too. Uh, but yeah. I like I like what Cooler says to, to Vegeta, because he's like, ah, Super Saiyan, yeah, but monkeys all the same. I'll show it no substance. Like, what a kick-ass line. I'm telling you, he gets some good... He probably has the best dialogue in all the movies up to this point, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely, like... He's got the best villain dialogue, at least. Uh, Vegeta flies in and is immediately hit to the horizon behind Goku (laughs) and then flies back in. And if I don't remember much of Team Four Star stuff, but I'm pretty sure that they played this kind of like on loop back to back to back where Vegeta ends up getting punched into the horizon like six or seven times in a row and coming right back every time. That seems like a Team Four Star thing to do. And it's if they did do it like I remember it, it was hilarious. Well, and I love this, too, because Cooler is just like immediately wrecking Vegeta for all of that talk. He's just getting absolutely slammed. And Cooler's literally about to shoot a key blast off into his face. Like his hand is covering Vegeta's mouth. mouth. Yes. And Goku has to stop him. Uh, but then Cooler is like literally just wrecking him over and over with instant transmission. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, and then Goku like pops in to save him. And it's ridiculous because Vegeta turns around and is immediately about to send off this huge key blast right at Goku and Cooler. Like he doesn't even care if he kills Goku at this point, which I guess kind of lines up with his character at this point in time of the series. But I just thought that was a little much, uh, but Cooler is then like able to use instant transmission to get out of the way, grabs Vegeta, detects where Goku is using some kind of built in radar, I guess. And throws right. him at Goku and then wrecks both of them. It was pretty nuts. Yeah, so this is how I wrote this down in my notes, is that Vegeta has no answer to instant transmission. He's never had an answer. I think in the comics, in the manga, he's gone to Yard Rat and has learned some things himself. Just recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when Cooler uses it on him, Goku has to intervene. And this pisses Vegeta off. He's like, you won't make a fool of me. And I'm like... He could be talking to either one of them, really. Like, <laughs> he, really could he could be, be pissed <laughs> because Cooler is better than him. He could be mad at Goku for having to intervene with this tech, this super fancy technique that he doesn't have. And either one of them would have been reason enough for him to turn around and just beam both of them, really. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh, but yeah, there's this flash of light. I have uh, also Cooler dodges, then sucker punches Vegeta and sends him flying into a newly non-instant transmissioning Goku. And then there's a flash of like Michael Bay lens flare in their general direction, followed by a massive explosion. And then we're whisked off to catch up with the captured Namics and all of the rest of the Z fighters. Um, and this little robot's just like, if you follow me, we'll begin chopping you up. It's not what you think. We don't want to hurt you, only to use your bodies to power the star. So we have to chop you up. <laughs> it's really funny. Apparently he's modeled after a robot in Star Wars, is what I was reading online. Yeah, I had heard that too. I even heard that in the Japanese, I think, even uses a straight up like Star line of reference. dialogue that he copied. Yeah, yeah. But I did not actually watch the Japanese version this time around. I did not have Ooh, time. I, did. I know. I did. Um, yeah, Yajirobe unexpectedly is the one that stands up to the guard and punches him, but it does nothing besides put him first in line, basically. And then you have Piccolo flying through the ship looking for him, um, and he's detected by this we're going to chop you up robot. 
who sends a what we're not really shown, but is easily implied, heavily implied to be another cooler right. because this thing pops up in front of Piccolo at the very far end of a hallway and Piccolo's response or reaction to it is you, what are you doing here? Um, and the only person that he would have that kind of reaction to would be another cooler. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think would make sense. Uh, but we switch back over to Vegeta and Goku, who are, like, coming out of the dirt. And Vegeta's like, I literally cannot pick myself up. Like, how are you doing? And Goku's like, I don't know. Can you still fight? And, uh, I mean, at this point in time, they have no real, like, possibilities of getting around this. Cooler is just coming at them, and he's going to wreck them. And so Goku he's is... Baywatch running. There's so there much Baywatch running in this movie. Oh, my God. And there's God. a lot of weird, like slow-mo cooler running it's i guess that's, that's what, what you i mean. call baywatch yeah. running yeah it's weird it's badly animated but regardless uh it's it's funny because goku starts up with the whole like hey maybe we can fight this guy together which like i have in my notes that this has literally been a through line since vegeta pretty much showed up like up until where the manga is right now in super like they're still being like hey what if we just did this together you know uh but of course vegeta doesn't want to play along he's he tells goku to stay out of his way they both do end up attacking Cooler, and they split him in two. However, he immediately starts reconnecting. And while he is, like, repairing himself, the Saiyans just continue to attack him. So they're they're just hitting him with Key Blast, and they're splitting him up even more and more. And he's trying to heal, but he's really not able to. I mean, he's getting shot into a bunch of pieces. And then, like, there's this weird scene where even his pieces are kind of destroyed somehow. Uh, yeah. Isn't this... A like, exactly what they tried to do to Boo at one point? Yeah. Or to sell one? Like sh- broke them up into little pieces and then zapped all the little bits. I think they I feel did like that. With, they did that to one. They of did them. that to Boo. I'm pretty sure, uh, but it didn't yeah. matter because he's like made of a strange substance and comes back together. <laughs> <laughs> right. He just yeah. He just reformed yeah. from mist or something weird. But both of them end up turning back into normal Saiyans. Like they're totally exhausted and they're almost completely out of power. And after a couple of breaths, Cooler has like repaired himself and he's up on top of this cliff. And they're looking, and all these other coolers start to come. And, and I think you're kind of led to believe that there are, like, thousands of these coolers. Yeah, and I th- this is probably the best drawing of cooler that we get when the first one kind of is, uh, you know, leaning on one leg, uh, overlooking the cliff. That's the best drawing of cooler mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then he's flanked by another and another until this whole cliff face is just freaking riddled with maybe hundreds or thousands of them. They're all sparkling, all pretty like. And he explains that if if the, you know, the computer, it's going to compensate for whatever flaw was in the design, even if the flaw was only that I had just one body. And so the star corrected that. And so he says, you seeing how you fared against one cooler, how do you think you'll fare against a thousand? And there's more Baywatch running. And at this point in my notes, I even wrote, why Why does anyone ever run in this show? They can all fly. We know that Cooler can instant transmission. Why are they bothering to cover this distance with their regular legs? I had the same <laughs> thought. Like, if thousands of them instant transmissioned over to them, this wouldn't have been a fight at all. Not that it's much of one, really, because, like, no. both Goku and Vegeta power up. And they're back into Super Saiyan mode and the coolers attack and then they just wake up inside of the star and they're like all yeah. hooked up and everything. So I hate I kind of hated that. The, I, I kind of hated this. I hated it because it didn't really go anywhere from here. Like in my mind, it would have been really cool if cooler had hooked them up to his star like 
maybe months ago, and they had just been put into this VR world where they were forced to relive this over and over and over, and it was actually fueling his star. That would have been really cool because he's like oh, that is reusing them and then like forcing them to relive these fights in order to power them up and have a never-ending battery supply. But that's not at all what happens. He's just like... He goes into explaining the thing, which I think I mentioned earlier, but and I, incorrectly, because this is where he explains it, that there was a sentient computer chip. It floated around for eons. It figured out how to propagate itself. And then it went from being a chip to like this massive machine and eventually absorbed Cooler's brain. And then he took control of it because, of course, Cooler knows how to take care of control, like computer chips and stuff. That totally makes sense. And so he... It's canon. Cooler's a hacker. He is, yeah. Uh, so he, he creates his own little metal body, and, and then that's it. Like, that's how he got to be where he's at, which, fine, I guess. I mean, it's just kind of out there. That's a thing. It seemed yeah, weird. Yeah, <laughs> I, do, I do like how he wraps up this little monologue, though, because he says, I've decided to extract my revenge. Uh, and he says, the irony is that you're going to fuel the destruction of the very planet that you were trying to save. Uh, and then he starts sucking their power out, um, causing the ship to sink further into the planet. Because I guess you needed a visual for what was actually being accomplished, but it kind of doesn't make any sense. The weirdest part about all of this is that for the next like minute or two, as they're having all this power drained from them through these wires like that are con connected by like electrodes to their body, they're just hanging there motionless and mouths open and eyes open and there's no animation to them. It's like they've been stupefied and it's so strange. Even when they start fighting back by putting too much key into the system, they're just they're just hanging there like cardboard cutouts. There's no animation to them whatsoever. Well, and I was going to say the thing I really don't like about this scene is that it looks like he's shocking them, not absorbing their energy. So that feels weird because they're crying out as if they're in pain, which kind of fits the shocking look. Not that he's like absorbing energy. And if he is absorbing their energy, why are they still in Super Saiyan form? Like when they pass yep. out, they should not be in that form. They can't sustain it. It I makes agree. no sense. And then yep. he goes on to be like, well, it's a really good thing that I stopped absorbing your energy because if I did too much of that, I might die. Why yep. would you villain reveals his own weakness? Why would you do that? And then all of a sudden, randomly, the circuits break and they just continue to absorb power for no reason. They don't explain this at all, which I, I found well, really frustrating. I think it's because the, the Saiyans, this, this like comatose Saiyans, as they're hanging, hanging their motionless, overheard Cooler say that. And so now they're like charging up uh, to, to overload him manually. So they've like, instead of it being removed from them they are they are introducing their own power into that system to overload him um, and this is where i wrote down my secret to cooler's infinite power infinite power for cooler is a couple of super saiyans plus sensu beans plus larger batteries yeah, i like that that's awesome yeah they're <laughs> like little gerbils <laughs> yeah so here's i mean just suck all the power out storm and bigger batteries and then just give the boys a sensu bean when you need them to charge it back up i wonder if cooler is aware of sensu beans because uh, I, I don't think know, he but... saw them in the last movie. But I, so here's a question for you. There's this weird scene that takes place before he starts absorbing more of their power where like it cuts to Piccolo and it's like he's zeroing in on Piccolo and Piccolo says, Gohan, finish it. I, yeah. And, and then like Gohan's not around. He's he's off like in a cell. So in my brain, what I assumed was happening was that the ship had been sabotaged by Gohan because at least that kind of makes sense. Like if Gohan went in and did something that caused the 
circuits to explode and then all of a sudden cooler couldn't control the fact that he was absorbing the saiyan's power i kind of like that like gohan's a techie kid he's a smart kid it makes sense that maybe he would know how to do that but that's not at all what was happening it just like happened for some reason yeah i didn't even make a note about that line because i couldn't make heads or tails of it right like um, what's it supposed I don't, to mean i don't mean? have a f- i hated that yeah uh, because know, then like the who- saiyans wake up and and grab the lines as if they are completely aware of what's going on and then start powering up. Right, right. Yeah, Cooler Cooler finally releases them. And I think that like them being in the cables maybe was the reason why they were comatose as if the their connectivity was like at like pressure points or something, you know, where it incapacitated them somehow. So I think Cooler gets wise and he's like, instead of taking on too much more energy, I'm just going to I'm just going to unjack um, and so he removes these cables, but the Saiyans are quick to grab them as if to say, no, this is the plan and we're going to see this all the way through. And then they start again, manually introducing power to the system, which causes coolers and the star to start exploding all over the place. Yeah. It's like the cooler that was attacking Piccolo explodes. Yadrobi is about to be cut up and like all the folks are watching uh, from like their cells and the little robot that comes out he's like singing a song about chopping them up which was really funny he explodes the saw stops the cell holding the other folks just falls apart and then Gohan is like leading the Namekians and the the Z fighters out so they are actually like in the main entrance to the star the ship uh, and all these coolers start running towards them. And it's like you said earlier, like that Baywatch running where it's real slow-mo. And I, I feel like they actually reuse this scene a bunch here. Uh, but then the ship starts exploding and only one figure is in the clouds and it's Piccolo. And that's a pretty cool scene. Uh, he tells Gohan to like get out because the place is going to fall apart. The star is actually starting to retreat from the planet, which was pretty neat. Uh, but then they reuse some of that weird running cooler scenes again here at the end of this. Yeah, so much Baywatch running by Cooler dupes at the end of this. Um, but it's great because Cooler says he's he's speaking now over the PA system, I guess, to Goku and Vegeta. G- Vegeta might still be KO'd at this point. He's just kind of laying there. But uh, Cooler's like, it would seem I've underestimated the power you Super Saiyans are capable of. And Goku says, that's the same mistake you made last time. You think you would have learned by now because that's the thing you keep saying is that you learn all the things. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> And true. I was like, that's a sick burn. Yeah, yeah, that is sick. But then he actually tells uh, Cooler like, well, I do learn from my mistakes. And he starts to just try to blow up Cooler. I mean, he's like, look, I dealt with Frieza. I dealt with you. We're not doing it again. And it seems like he's going to use a spirit bomb, but he doesn't say it. And it's yellow, not blue. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they call this. And I meant to look it up in Doc and what they called that little move. But yeah, Cooler manifests a giant like cable body. And for some reason, in all the scenes before this, like earlier on, when Goku and Vegeta are first captured, they ask where Cooler is. And he reveals that like his head has been maintained, but it's like 80% bionics now. And all that's left is like his his right eye is le- is the organic portion of him that remains. But now when that head starts manifesting this giant cable body, number one, his mouth decides to start moving. Every other time that that head is talking in this movie, it's just like it's not moving at all. It's just like sewed shut sort yeah. of by mechanical stuff. But so now he starts talking with his mouth moving. And then it looks like his organic eye grows proportionally with the rest of him. Like I get that his head would get bigger, but his eyeball should not get any bigger. It's organic. Like it's not growing because of the addition of cables to it. So that was, that was kind of weird, but he turns big, not quite like 
maybe not quite great ape size, but much larger, big enough to like put a hand around Goku. L- with Lord ease. Slug size. Yeah, yeah. And he says, you can't win. And Goku, of course, Goku's, he's like, every breath in my body will be spent trying. And Vegeta ends up uh, coming back to consciousness long enough to throw what looked like a destructo disc, uh, cutting off the hand that was holding Goku, I think. Uh, And he says, that's the last time you'll underestimate a Saiyan. And then he immediately falls back (laughs) unconscious. So he was like, I woke up, I said my piece, out of here. Um, and then Goku shouts his way out of his bonds and throws a beam ball at Cooler and it explodes. And then you just see his one organic eye fly past, which I think we see again, like I said, with Frieza. And then the star blows up, up out of the atmosphere. Everybody's down on Namek, looking up, hoping to see the guys. And suddenly they spot them and they're just falling to Earth. Vegeta's still unconscious, which I thought was hilarious. And then Goku is away. He's he's conscious, but he's got that like. I'm half dead smile on his face where like his eyelids are droopy and it's stuff. like the end of every fight with every villain. Right. And, but the best part is that they see them falling towards the planet, but no one makes a move to catch <laughs> no, them. None of them. They just like crash craters. Yeah, behind I mean, them. they smash into the planet with everybody still looking up in the sky for some reason. Yeah. Um, and that was a good, that was a pretty good comedic beat that I didn't expect either. You would have assumed that somebody would have just flown up there and caught them. It would have been great too because, if Gohan had tried and Goku just like crushed them. Yeah. Well, Sensu Beans have them back on their feet soon enough, uh, but Vegeta has disappeared. Goku kind of thanks him. And then the the end of the movie is basically like Vegeta in a Saiyan pod, which is, I'm glad that they at least showed us how he got there, but he's in a Saiyan pod uh, and he crushes a computer chip. I don't know if it was supposed to be the sentient so chip because it, it looked kind of like it but the sentient chip that they showed earlier had like a antenna on it and this one didn't so i don't know if it was just like a stand-in for the real thing and it was just a cathartic thing for <laughs> him to have done but anyway that's how the movie i ends. thought it was so <laughs> dumb like i vegeta i feel like he's the last person that would know anything about computers why, why does he have this I, it seems so silly to me <laughs> It was kind of silly. I will say, like, as we move into kind of the segments that we do at the end of this, as I started thinking about how this would be different as an arc, I didn't really have a bunch because I, as much as I really didn't like this movie, and we'll talk about why uh, when we get to ratings, I actually thought that it was a pretty well-paced movie. Um, Like, it had a very distinct first, second, and third acts. Everything moved pretty quickly. To stretch any one part out any longer would have felt strange. So I don't I don't think I would have liked this at all as an arc. I think that it was a fine 45-minute movie, and if it had been too much longer than that, I, I would have disliked it even more than I already do. Yeah, I, the only thing I think that they would have done maybe a bit differently was they would have given this chip more of a background. Like, they would have shown who created it or how it got abandoned in the first place, or maybe they would have shown it picking up cooler, like... And I feel like there's some probably level of them explaining how Cooler survived the sun. Like, surely that would have been explained a little bit better. Vegeta getting there, I feel like, would have been explained better. But overall... Yeah, we definitely would have at least gotten the scene that you described with him learning from Bulma. Or someone. You know? Yeah. That would have been yeah, great. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Uh, it, it's funny that they didn't have something like that. But I guess him being revealed in this movie was probably a big deal, so... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine this being more than like three or four episodes. Well, let's talk about the Raditz scale. Um, you and I were talking before we recorded that this—it's kind of tricky for this movie, in part because if you Google like Metacooler's power level, and uh, what you'll find is you'll the first Google result says that it's ten billion, 
And that's absolute nonsense. Makes no freaking sense at all. And I think that it was just a mistranslation of the Japanese title, which is Dragon Ball Z Fight 10 Billion Power Warriors or 10 Billion Powerful Warriors, um, which is more of a nod to, uh, even if it is a little exaggerated, uh, a nod to the fact that Goku or that um, Cooler has just got all these clones, uh, not to his power level per se, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other complicating factor to this is that Cooler kind of gets his own version of like Zenkai boosts a, a couple times through this. So like Zenkai boosts, for those who are listening that may not know, is a Saiyan feature where if they get, uh, you know, severely injured or damaged in a fight, when they heal back up, they heal up stronger than they were before. Um, they get a they get like a natural built in power buff if they get beat within an inch of their life. Um, and it's utilized um, significantly, uh, even intentionally one time by Vegeta, who who's just like, Krillin, kill me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can get this boost and be stronger than Frieza. Um, so in, over the course of this movie, two versions of Metacooler end up getting destroyed or at least uh, significantly damaged. One by just Goku. A second one gets entirely destroyed by Goku and Vegeta. So you see like version three is... Uh, the one that is cresting over the hill flanked by so many more of his uh, his copies. And the implication is, based on Metacooler's own descriptions of how his new body works, that each successive iteration is stronger than the previous one. So uh, if you're looking at power versus just Super Saiyan Goku, he was a little stronger than Super Saiyan Goku, but not so much that Goku couldn't with one really decisive blow hurt him to the point where like if it had been non-bionic cooler it would have been a death blow i mean like it blew off an arm and part of his torso so maybe a little bit stronger very very close in power but the second one the second version it takes two super saiyans working together to blow up that's a big power jump uh and then the third one like they had no shot against um so i thought that maybe what the best course of action for us to do was to talk about the second version um the one that was stronger than goku and vegeta i like that because it seems like his power level would at least be theirs combined plus some yeah and i know that in the last movie uh the internet said that cooler's fifth form was at 470 million and that was a I still don't think that that's right but i don't think that that's far off from what i think that second one might have been power wise in this movie because that would leave, um, so it would be a little bit stronger than two Saiyans together, right? And that would make, that would necessitate that both uh, Goku and Vegeta had seen a significant amount of growth from one movie to the next two. At least Goku, and you would think Vegeta's pretty pretty much on par. So we'd put Goku around 150 million, maybe a little higher in the last movie. Um, this one would have him and Vegeta being more like 225 million. Oh, I can live with that. So that I feel like that's a sizable boost, especially because I don't think a lot of time passes between the last movie and this one. Um, I think it depends on where you decide you want to place it. If it's after the Cell games, it would have to be around. Well, it, deci- it really depends on where you decide to place the last one, too, because it could be three-ish yeah. years or it could be roughly a year-ish. Well, we know the last one for sure had to take in place after King Cold and Frieza got to Earth because he hears about, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. Nope, nope, nope. That's not right. Right. It's It would have been right after Namek. Goku's gone for a little while. 
off planet, comes back to Earth after spending some time on Yardrad. I don't remember it's how long he was gone. Was yeah. it a year? Okay. Um, but still, a 75 plus million power jump in a year, uh, excluding, you know, not even talking about uh, jumps that come from the time chamber. I feel like that's that's not bad. And listen, power levels are just unwieldy at this point. This number, 470 million, might not even be close to what anybody else considers right, but it seems reasonable enough that this is what we're going to use because the Raddit scale is something that we're determined to stick to. So if that second cooler is around 470 million, then on the Raddit scale, he is at 313,333 Raditzes, um, which is about a three times increase over uh, the power scale or the Raditz scale difference in the last cooler movie. That's so, actually not that big of an increase. I'm I'm okay with that number, I think. Yeah, I mean, considering that Cooler's increase over Lord Slug was 160 yeah, times. Yeah, it's a huge <laughs> jump. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Cooler is the first, like, colossal jump. Well, th- no, that's not true, because... um, Was Tree of Might a huge jump? Shoot, I think it was. I think, I, I was going to say, I feel like Tree of Might was another huge jump between Garlic Jr. and uh, Turles. Yeah, I think, like, that was a pretty sizable yeah. jump, and I can't remember... I can't remember if it was big, big, uh, like as big as this. I don't think it comes close. To I think it was just fifteen times. times. Yeah, something. something yeah, like that, that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah, three hundred thirteen thousand three hundred thirty-three Reddits is roughly equivalent to one version two meta cooler. We think, but you know, or maybe it's just because we wanted to do math for this segment. And we don't. Really care, <laughs> yeah, so. it could be right. <laughs> uh, on holler minutes. Uh, this one comes out to 1.7, which places it uh, in third place. It usurped uh, its previous installment, the first Cooler movie, um, for third place. So it is still behind Dead Zone at number one, Lord Slug at number two. Nice. Um, it probably would have been higher if I, and I've thought about doing this, but it would be too much to keep track of, unless I had like multiple stopwatches. Like a lot of this time is spent with multiple people hollering simultaneously. And if you really thought about holler minutes, like, uh, like, like um, you stacked them man hours. Yeah. yeah. Then that number changes drastically. That's, yeah, that's true. Cause I was thinking that earlier, I, I would have pegged it closer to around two and a half minutes. If I had to guess, uh, that's kind of, I've been trying to guess these to see how close I am to what you actually come up with. And I'm never close, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I would probably watch this and come up with a very different true. number myself. It's, it's very, it's it's not as structured as it may sound like it is, but I do try to stick to a couple of rules. Well, as far as trivia goes, I, I couldn't really find a whole lot. I did find a couple of pieces of interesting information. At least I thought it was interesting. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that when this movie released in theaters, uh, it was actually part of like a double feature, and it grossed roughly twenty one million U.S. dollars. And then when it was released in the U.S., it was actually a double feature as well with, I believe, Fusion Reborn. Uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting one to choose. Uh, but then on top of that, there was the fact that at the beginning of this, uh, Dende is the guardian of the earth. That actually wouldn't have been revealed for several months. In fact, it was seven months after the film's release in the manga. So the fact that they guessed that, or maybe someone told them that, I thought was pretty interesting. And apparently this movie marks a costume change for Piccolo and Goku. Goku's gi is like, a slightly different color orange than it is in the uh, main series. And Piccolo's like belt is a completely different color than it is in the main series. And that stays the same for quite a while in the rest of these movies. They're just slightly different, which I thought was interesting. 
Yeah, that's about all the same stuff that I found too, besides this being Vegeta's first movie and maybe the last time that you that Goku uses Kaioken yeah. that isn't in a scene that is a, is technically a flashback. But he hasn't um, been no saying No voice it. actor information to add because, you know, this is the exact same voice cast as the previous Dragon Ball Z movie. And I think for the rest of the movies, they're going to be the same for the most part. Yeah, with the exception of, the of you know different villains. Yeah, yeah that's that's where the focus will be primarily Absolutely. now. So where do you where do you rate this one, bud? Uh, I give this one a two out of seven. Ooh, dang! Like, and what's funny is when we started, when we hit record, this was a three point five. But the more I talked about it, the more I was like, man, I did not like this movie. <laughs> like, and just rethinking about some of the stuff. Like, I don't like the story. I don't even, I don't know. I just don't like much about this movie at all. The only thing I really enjoyed was the one fight scene between Piccolo, Gohan, Krillin, and the 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 mech guards. I don't even know what they're properly called. That tells you how much I cared about this movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was torn. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to give this a 2.5. It definitely does not hold a candle to the previous Cooler movie. Not even close. No, I mean... Um, he got some cool dialogue, which was nice, I guess. But even then, I felt like it yeah. wasn't as good as the last one. Yeah, so, I mean, I it's cool that we have a whole other movie as kind of the background for this one. Um, but we had the whole show for the background of the last Cooler movie, really. Um, the fight against the army of Metacoolers at the very end is necessarily kind of anticlimactic, even though I still hated it. But the battle with Cooler Prime, as I called him, the, the original Cooler headpiece that grows into a giant thingy, that could have been much, much cooler. Um, again, pun pun intended. Like, that could have been a much bigger affair. It was too short-lived for as cool as it could have been. There's really bad animation choices in several spots. Uh, and even though it has some decent comedy bits, I just wouldn't consider it, I mean, not even half as good as the other cooler movies. So, as I say, 2.5, maybe a 3 if I'm feeling generous tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I mean, if I, even if I gave it a 3 now... That still says it's about half as good a movie as Cooler's Revenge, which feels about right yeah. for me. And and just the fact that like it ended because they overpowered a ship, meh. I mean, yeah. it, it, at least explain why the ship malfunctioned. Don't just make it they were too powerful after I literally zapped all of their energy. That makes no sense to me. I don't like that at all. I agree. So not not really a home run movie, Return of Cooler, but, you know, just go watch Cooler's Revenge. It's a much better movie than this. And then just forget that he ever comes back. That's probably I for think the that best. is probably for the best. And it's not canon. So you can forget this is never going to be mentioned again, because even when he's brought That's back right. later, I think there's another movie he's brought back. It's not the Mecha version. He, they just forget about it, too. <laughs> right. He's <laughs> definitely in GT at some point makes a cameo in GT. Um, and he's not Metacooler in that. So I guess that makes some sense because he's dead in that movie. So like when he dies, he he would get his biological quote unquote body back in hell. I, I, maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that. I don't know. Who knows? Let's hope that the next movie is better. The next one is Dragon Ball Z colon Super Android 13. I remember very little about this, but I'm pretty sure it's Trunks's first appearance. So that's that'll be yeah, exciting. That is exciting. Trunks is one of the better characters. I really like him. I, I feel like I remember enjoying this movie a lot. So I'm excited to rewatch it and find out if I did or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the risk with watching these movies that we can't recall. It's just like, is it going to be good? I don't remember. I don't want to be disappointed like I was with Return of Cooler. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I feel like I remember liking this one quite a bit. So 
I'm excited for it, but I've been excited for all the movies. I can't say that I'm not excited for them. Um, Return of Cooler was one I knew going into. Like, yeah, I don't remember thinking this one was all that great. (laughs) Yeah, fact of the matter is, man, like sometimes we're going to find that we enjoy the process more than the product. Absolutely, Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that that's true for Return of Cooler. Still fun to watch and take notes on and discuss with you. And uh, but that's about as far as it goes. This will be one that like, you know, uh, talking about introducing you to the child's play movies. When I do that with most people, I say it's okay to skip Seed of Chucky. Like you cannot watch that one. And I feel like that is where Return of Cooler falls for me so far with these. It's like, you know what? Several of these are worth watching once. You could get by without watching Return. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, but I think that'll wrap us up for this episode of Return of Cooler. Uh, we'll see everyone in two weeks for our next episode. And in a week, we'll have Almighty Podcast. We're covering chapters 103 and 104 of My Hero Academia Vigilantes, which has been really awesome. That's right. Find us on Twitter at Almighty Pod. And there you can look at a pinned tweet to join our Discord, um, have access to RSS feeds for both AMP and Kyo Cinema. Um, be a part of our growing and beloved community that is very talkative in the Discord. So uh, come be a voice in there, and uh, we will see you guys in two see weeks. See ya.